Rabbit Rabbit. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And we are going to kick this year out the door by talking about some of the fun, kind of paranormal, weird stuff that happened and some, what, traditions and superstitions around New Year's Eve? Yes, I will later in the episode be talking about things that you do on New Year's Eve and telling you why, mm-hmm. how we came up with that in the first place. Awesome. Are, are any of these things things that you do? Do you do anything that for New I Year's Eve? That I personally do? Yes. I don't really have traditions myself. Mm-hmm. Do you? Not really. I try to eat round things. Is that true? Yeah, that's a tradition, that eating round things is supposed to like bring prosperity in the new year. So I'll try to do that. What, like a meatball? Yeah, like anything. Anything One round. One big meatball. Like a meatball. For example, on my, uh, when I say meal plan, it's just like me planning out the meals for the week, not like a meal plan. But I was originally going to make hamburgers, uh, you know, veggie, bur- veggie burgers tonight for dinner. Okay. Bumped them to tomorrow because that's New Year's Eve. So let's eat a round thing. Because they are. They're round. But wh- But what is the round connection to you? That's it's a thing. It's a tradition. I didn't make it up. You don't know why. It's because they're supposed to symbolize coins. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I found some of that kind of thing in my research, which is it's all about money. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about that sweet, sweet coinage. I was just trying to plumb the depths to see if you even knew what the hell you were doing with that burger life. Yeah, I did know William. Because like they'll say like you should eat greens Mm -hmm. because it's the color of money. It's green like money. Yeah. Yeah. You should eat. uh, Here's here's another one. This is this is stupid. But um, our, our mom tried to put us through this, eating herring, Ugh. pickled herring. It's because herring is a silver fish. Oh, my God. Silver, like silver coins, therefore prosperous, uh-huh. fortunate year to come. Man. It's all about money. Well, isn't it all? Yeah. I, Unfortunately. Makes uh, the world go around. I do have others that are not about the money. Mm-hmm. They're about sending a message. Okay. But we'll get to those later in the episode. I'm very excited for you to talk about what you're going to talk about because 2020, obviously, I think the big thing for everyone is let's get out of this year yeah. once and for all. Yeah. Hopefully 2021 brings better things. Um, and while 2020 was a, a terrible year across mm-hmm. the globe for everyone, Maybe it was a good year for uh, paranormal, scary stuff, headlines, and and weird events occurring. So I'm really excited to see what you've uh, drummed up. Yeah, some weirdos really came out to play. Wonderful. Let's start by talking about something that really came in on the tail end of 2020 and made quite a bang. The monoliths. Yeah. So do you know much about them? Here, Here's everything that I know yeah. about the monolith. I want to say it was Utah mm-hmm. and that somebody hiking around. Found a big silver monolith. Yep. Which is literally just, you know, like a big block of silver, basically. Yeah. Standing vertically. Um, took some pictures of it. World went wild because there's a monolith in the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. which is seen throughout time and, you know, uh, ancient chimps saw it and <laughs> spacemen saw it. And so it was sort of like a. I don't know, a great unifier through time. The monolith is always there. Yeah. And then it disappeared. Yes. And then it started popping up with other places. Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm just going to fill in a little bit more information about it. So you're totally right. The first one to show up in Utah, and it was found when the Department of Wildlife Services was out doing a, ch- a sheep count in late November. It's something that they do. And it was in apparently a very remote area that not a lot of people go to. So rumor has it that I couldn't find substantiated with proof that I could see with my own two eyes. But apparently Utah radio stations reported that satellite maps showed that that monolith has been there for five years. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's the case or not. That's not super widely reported, but that is out there. I saw it a couple of different places. So after about a week, the monolith then disappeared. Others have popped up and sometimes disappeared again in California, Romania, England, Colombia, Vermont, maybe even some other places, but their design has always been different from the original. Like they would look like it, but kind of approximately. Um, So it doesn't seem like the same people who built or put that original monolith there, we're doing it all over the place. It seems like those were copycat monoliths because it's fun. So the out there monolith theories are that it was placed there by aliens. Yeah. Naturally 
of course, that it's like a sign or a gift or some sort of sort of peace offering from the aliens. More Why'd they put it in a, a, a one of the least populated places where only people who count sheep find it. That's a good question. By the way, they had to keep replacing the guy who counts the sheep. Why? He kept falling asleep on the job. Oh my God, William. Anyway, continue. Oh, I don't think I can. <laughs> I think I have to go. <laughs> I'm sick. Um, <laughs> so, some more logical explanations for what was going on is that it was a promo for a movie or a TV show. Mm. I saw that a lot. A lot of people thought that it was a promo for Westworld. Yeah, I saw that. Myself, I forgot about that. There's I don't know a... why. I was thinking maybe because it's like it was first place in a rugged sort of landscape, right? But it was futuristic looking, and Westworld has a Western duh kind of angle to it. I don't know if it's anything more than that because I haven't watched Westworld. I, first of all, Westworld is great. I've heard that it's mostly great and then not. And I really enjoyed it. Just I didn't see me. season three actually. I think that's where people say then not it starts to turn to the, the Terminator franchise. I guess so, but um. Yeah, I, I had seen things like that too. Movie promotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, ARGs, alternate reality games, have been used for promotion yeah. a million different ways. They're very engaging. They're very fun. But they also are usually the culprit these days when you see something outlandish happening yeah. in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a promo for the new Halo game or right. something. Right. Um, so I can understand that. But there's not oh, another season too. of Westworld right now to to be getting amped for you know who knows people thought that maybe there was secretly or something um i also heard theories that people thought that artists had maybe like joined up on the internet and decided to put these monoliths it was a coordinated effort to put these monoliths in different places as kind of like a positive fun distraction from the crap fest that 2020 has been that doesn't seem to be the case but it's a cool idea that there was some sort of online collective that decided to surprise us with this in the news um and the theory that it's just an artwork, it's some sort of work of an artist who's placed it there for some reason. So this brings us to what I see as the most credible lead for what actually was happening here. So art aficionados, including gallery owners who own some of his work and art critics at the New York Times, think that the monolith, the monolith is actually an original art piece by John McCracken. Okay. who's an artist who passed away in 2011. Huh. He was a, minimal, a minimalist sculpture, sculptor, so this is kind of his thing, and he was a big science fiction fan. So a lot of overlap there. And his son Patrick was asked about this recently in an interview in the New York Times, and he backs up this theory. He said that his dad told him that, he, that people would find works of art is, of his in remote places in the world even after he has died. That's cool. So from the Deseret News, which is like a Utah news outlet. We've used them before. We have? We oh, have. was it for, um for what's it called? Skinwalker Ranch? We may have, yeah. That's right. I remember making fun of it and being like Deseret, not yeah. dessert or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I thought it was something that he would do. He was inspired by the idea of alien visitors leaving objects that resembled his work or that his work resembled. The discovery of a monolith piece, that's very much in line with his artistic vision. He wasn't your average sort of dad. He believed in advanced alien races that were able to visit Earth. To his mind, these aliens had been visiting Earth for a very long time and they were not malevolent. They wanted to help humanity to get past this time of our evolution where all we do is fight each other. Hmm. So it seems pretty likely to me that this is the case we don't know for sure but i I would put a little money down that this is a work of art of john mccracken's right it sounds like a big dream of his yeah in a sense so maybe you know the the and then the other ones is often the correct one exactly and then the other ones that popped up were copycats like lovingly which and that's awesome they're homages yes so his work continues on Mm -hmm. even if people don't necessarily know his name john mccracken yeah very very cool named his son pat pat mccracken hmm interesting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they said him. Yeah, I mean, maybe he goes as Patrick. He is cited as Patrick McCracken. I'm sure he's very specific about being called Patrick. It's Patrick. It is Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, that is something. My friend Philip McCrotch and I uh, used to go out with our father to plant these monoliths all over the place. <laughs> Philip. <laughs> Philip. Just want to be specific. Patrick. Uh, my uh, my friend Mike, whose last name is Shin, 
has a relative whose name is Derek. Derek Shin. Direction. Oh, that's mm-hmm. like a, that's almost that's like that's one that you could tell a child. Yeah, right. right? That's yeah, like when fun. you realize that Diagon Alley from Harry Potter is diagonally. Yeah, absolutely. Nocturne Alley is nocturnally. Those mm-hmm. are like light things that a child can enjoy. Yeah, it's gentle. Pat McCrack. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Especially if you're like in England or somewhere like that. Right. Yeah. 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 Where it has a different meaning. Um. So. We also kind of know how the monolith disappeared, it seems like. Again, simplest answer, and let me just tell you what is out there. So there is a professional outdoor photographer whose name is Ross Bernard, and he posted on his Facebook page that he went to the site of the monolith at night to practice using light in a different way for photos or something. He was using a drone, and this is like a really, really shiny object in what is otherwise a very, very matte landscape because it's kind of desert. And so he was practicing doing that kind of stuff. He took his pictures and then he's taking pictures of other stuff. And not soon after that, he saw four men take down the monolith, break it into pieces and haul them away in a wheelbarrow. And they said to him, which I think is so weird, leave no trace. Oh, I don't really get why you would just speak in that way. Leave no trace. But that's what is stated in multiple sources leave no trace so he wrote this which is ross bernard leaving a trace that's true you are remarking upon it (laughs) just leaving a trace i mean i think that they wanted to be doing this in the dead of night and not be caught and just like it just happened weirdly that there was a guy there right at that time yeah so later on two rock climbers slash base jumpers whose names are sylvan christensen and andy lewis put up a youtube video showing themselves taking the monolith away and i don't know why everybody's ignoring this maybe it's just like you don't want to believe it because you want to believe the mystery of it or something i have it linked in the show notes um and they have kind of a a long explanation for why they decide to do this the gist of which is that lots of people were coming in to check out the monolith and it's becoming sort of a tourist thing and messing up the natural landscape and they have a big thing about the sanctity of public lands Le- aha leave no trace is okay it has, oh, a, it has okay. a different context okay leave no trace is the refrain for people when you're hiking don't you know scratch into the bark of a uh, tree that makes sense okay. don't carve your initials into a tree it may be rom- romantic but leave no trace mm-hmm. right like try to leave nature alone okay so it was less about the monolith's impact and more about the impact of the monolith all right so they, he was kind of like what's up to the guy being like leave no trace right Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. We've got to clean this up. It's not supposed to be here. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That, that makes more sense. It seemed like such a dramatic, weird sentence. It just, it always just said, they said, leave no trace. It wasn't like anything else. Yes. I think that it might be part, I could also be wrong about what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but I think leave no trace is part of a larger phrase about preserving nature while you're hiking through it. Okay. Like, don't let your kid, you know, like, uh, uh, pee on the rock, whatever. Don't stick your gum to this thing. Like kids it's, love it's that peeing on rocks. Stuff. Yeah, it's frigging kids. <laughs> so basically, that guy's account, or excuse me, these two guys' videos line up with that guy Ross Bernard's account. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that's what happened to the monolith. Yes, and that it didn't mysteriously disappear, but for some reason, the story of how it disappeared is not widespread. That's very interesting. So I wonder where it is because leave no trace. People then, to me, indicates that they are not the people who put it there. No, I don't think so. I think that it really might have been John McCracken. Right. It sounds to me pretty plausible. Yeah. Um, he may. It sounds like a really remote area. Mm-hmm. And so it really may have been there, even though there's not confirmation. Maybe it has been. Oh, wait, no. If it's been there for five years and he died in 2011. Then somebody else put right, it there somebody, after his death. Right. Right. So maybe I don't know. Maybe he there, could have. Maybe it's been there for at least five years. True. Right. Or maybe he arranged with somebody sure. to do it later or yeah. something. But it's it seems like it lines up with the kind of sculptures that he makes. It lines up with his ideology. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the deal. Yeah. And it's still awesome. Oh, I totally agree. I absolutely love it. So now let's talk about something that I had heard of glancingly in 2020 and even before that. But it seems like there was a little bit of a boom of activity in 2020. The Chicago Mothman. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know about the Chicago Mothman? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a Mothman who people have seen in Chicago. Oh, no. Did I, this cross your desk? No, it didn't at all. The The Mothman proper is Baltimore. Uh, or thereabout. 
It, no, Virginia. Point Virginia? Pleasant, Virginia. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, did not know about this at all. Yeah. Okay. So there are people who have said that they've seen Mothmen in different locations, mostly in that same kind of Midwest-ish, I guess you would call it, area. Okay. Um, but in Chicago, there's been an uptick in sightings in the last few years. Hmm. And there were a couple that went sort of public just in 2020. So there was an anonymous UPS worker, excuse me, USPS worker, who contacted a website called the UFO Clearinghouse to give her account of seeing a mothman at Chicago O'Hare Airport, where we both have enjoyed spending some time. Absolutely. Yeah. Stayed overnight. There was we did. There was a power outage. And so we just had to stay overnight in the Chicago Hare Airport as children. I wandered away. Yep. Mom was terrified. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so this USPS worker was walking to her car late at night after working there. And she saw what she at first thought was a man in a billowing coat coming toward her. That's scary enough for yes. me. But that wasn't it. And now I'm going to read her quotes from that website because she tells the story best herself, I feel. As I got closer to my car, I unlocked it, which caused my headlights to come on. My headlights hit the person standing about 20 to 25 feet from my car, causing it to turn and look right at me. I saw that this was not some person, but some red-eyed creature, and what appeared to be a coat was actually wings, which it spread out as it turned to look at me. At first, I thought it was some kind of very, very large bird, but I've never seen any bird that stood at almost seven feet tall. I'm 5'4", and this thing looked taller than me by at least two feet. This thing then started making some type of chirping sound, almost a half chirp and a half click, like someone was clicking their tongue, but much, much faster. It then made some type of screeching sound and took off running toward me. It got to within 10 feet of me and took off into the air and flew above me. I was screaming hysterically as I crouched down behind cars, uh, behind my car's open door, and I dived into my car head first. I was in a near panic as I tried to start the car, close and lock the doors, and turn on my interior, interior lights. I started my car and took off out of the parking lot and flew down the road till I hit the main road. I got home and told my husband, who also works at the same facility, and he was the one who told me about the sightings of this thing. I was scared S-less, and I hope I never see this thing again. This thing is roaming around the area, scaring people half to death. I hope the airport people decide to do something about this thing someday. Wow. So there are a few accounts of this. I think if you find this interesting, um, click the link in the show notes. And UFO Clearinghouse has a bunch of different articles about this with different people coming forward and being like, yeah, me too. I also saw that, whatever, from the last year or so. And I thought that this sort of account of the... The vibe of people talking about the Mothman in Chicago was interesting and worth quoting. So this is another thing from the same site, but it's a different people, a different person telling this part of the story. It's an air traffic controller. So they told the website, I've heard many stories of the supposed O'Hare Mothman from pilots and other controllers and employees around the airport. I've heard tales of people seeing it in flight or perched somewhere and how it had glowing red eyes and looked like a giant man bat. Many of my fellow controllers have told of either seeing it themselves or hearing from others who have seen it, and it's been the subject of radio chatter on multiple occasions. I never gave much credence to these stories, and even though part of me believed and hoped it was real, seeing it myself only helped me to become a true believer. That's interesting. So then there's more, and the guy has a very similar account to the USPS worker's account, which is why I decided not to quote it. It was the same kind of deal where he saw it, and it was running, and then it took flight right in front of him. Now, we covered the Mothman mm-hmm. in a previous episode. Yep. My recollection, my recollection is that it lived in a nuclear power plant. Yes. Or a bomb factory. A nuclear power plant in, yeah. I guess it's West Virginia. And that it appears at places where horrible things will happen. Yeah. It's supposed to, some people say that it's a harbinger of doom. Okay. Or it could be um, like warning you of something. So not that it's like bringing in the doom and like delighting it, but maybe it's trying to warn people. Right. Is it intelligent or is it an animal? You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it? I don't know. So, because the story of the the person who's standing outside and then Mm -hmm. the mothman runs at her and takes off flying over her head. Right. That feels it's actually now that you're saying that it does seem intelligent because one of the original stories of the mothman in the 50s was that it seemed to be flying over a person's car like on 
pace with the car. Yes, right. Like it was hovering over them, kind of like either maybe looking at them as prey or something that it was following or otherwise effing with them because it seemed to be, you know, however many feet above their car pacing it. Right. So I think it does have some sort of intelligence and those two things would make it seem like it's malevolent in some way. Exactly. But I don't know. Do you you know when this year this stuff or this is just something that's been sort of happening? It's been happening for at least a couple of years. I definitely remember sharing something about the Chicago Mothman on our social media in like 2018. How long does it take for something for us to to drive to Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think actually I've driven to Chicago. It's about 15 hours. I have two actually. Yes. Um, I don't think that it necessarily... Okay, so what I think I understand about the Mothman is that its appearance doesn't necessarily mean every single time that there is something that's going to happen that's bad, but bad things often happen after an appearance from it. So it's been in Chicago. Did you say at O'Hare, right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at O'Hare, something bad happens, Mm -hmm. but people have been seeing this thing there for a couple of years. Right. If something bad happens, do we chalk it up to Mothman? Or, you know. I don't think we ever chalk the bad thing up to Mothman. But I think that's the Mothman might be letting us know something's coming. Okay. So like Santa puts his like, finger to his yep. nose and gives like a knowing look. Yeah. Like, guess what? It. Something's happening. But yes. if he's been there for two years. Right. Like how long does it take? You know, like how. how well, you know what? Okay. Because if he, he could be there for 50 years before something bad happens. And then Absolutely. something bad happens and be like, called it. But it's like, well, no, you've been here for 50 years, so it's just the law of averages. At some point, something's going to happen. Again, I don't think that he is only around in taking flight when something bad happens. But when something bad happens and he is around, then people attribute it to the Mothman. So I'm I'm not sure. I think you're right. I think it is the law of averages. It's ridiculous. Yes. I I don't see how he could be a a harbinger of whatever. Right. Okay. I think it's a, a cool idea. Yeah. But I'm, fa- I'm, I'm really, you know, if, if the- you'll have seen the Mothman, even in West Virginia, in the original thing, they saw him like dozens of times or something. Yeah. And then there was this tragic bridge collapse. Right. So I don't know. I'm still pretty puzzled by the Mothman overall. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I don't know if this is something that people will have heard yet. So I'm just going to Google this real quick. Okay. Because I wrote something that people either do or don't have access to right now. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think people will have this yet. Mm. I wrote something for Blair Witch yeah. that is Mothman-ish. Yeah, Maybe so- you'll come across it. You also might not. Okay. It's an optional thing for you to uncover. So by he wrote it for Blair Witch, Will means the Blair Witch Huntikiller boxes that he is a writer and producer for. Correct. So go to huntikiller.com slash Blair to check those out. Thank you very much, Blair You're Witch. Welcome. Yes. Oh, excuse me. You're thinking of huntikiller.com slash Blair. That's exactly what I was doing. Yes. One word. Yes. <laughs> Blair. If you were to reboot Blair Witch and just call it Blair, people would be like, what is <laughs> I feel like that's a very uh, like 2010s thing to do. Blair. Blair. Okay. What? Anyway, no, there's a like a sort of optional side questy type thing that you can enjoy. It's like a podcast you can listen to. Mm-hmm. And I wrote hosts that debate the paranormal just like Kristen and I yeah. do. <laughs> anyway, so I wrote that and I was I was working out with the performers of it to record it and stuff, and I was like, all right, we're gonna talk about the Mothman. The characters are mostly fighting about whether or not the Mothman story makes sense at all. Mm-hmm. So just really get into the debate of it all. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like I think one of the lines that I wrote is like, spoiler alert. I don't even. I'm not even sure if I know what Mothman is. Uh-huh. Like one of my characters says that, <laughs> right? Right. Because I still don't really understand. I think it's a. It's supposed to be a cryptid. It's an animal thing, but it must have some sort of other intelligence. I think. I mean, there is also a whole thing about the uh, the Mothman maybe being extraterrestrial in some way. I know way. there are like a thousand explanations. There are a million theories. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think the answer is no one really knows. I think that there are people who posit themselves, uh, not posit themselves, maybe position themselves as like you know an enthusiast who's maybe an expert or something who might have their own theory of what the Mothman is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I just know that people report having seen it a bunch. Yeah. What is going on? I don't know. I mean, I know that people think that it could be a certain kind of, I'm remembering our episode from like the beginning of the show where I talked about the Mothman, uh, a certain kind of crane. I believe some people say it is also an extremely giant owl. Right. It's always an owl for these things. But I don't know. I mean, so many people say that it's like black 
and human-like, mm-hmm. but then with these wings. But of course, it's dark, so your eyes play tricks. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't sure. sound like an owl to me, really, but you never know. Yeah, it's so ambiguous to me. It's amazing that there are like... I'm not saying people are wrong for this either, by the way, but like there are statues of the Mothman in places, and yeah, people yeah, yeah. love the Mothman. Yeah. And I'm all for loving it, but I yeah. don't understand... I don't even know what to rally around with it. I think this is a cool story. I happen to love the Mothman. It's like one of my favorite cryptids, if not my favorite. And even I'm like, I don't know. It's like a thing. It's so crazy to me that so many people say that they've seen it. Gotcha. I find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's just just crazy to me. I find it so cool. Yeah. Um, So next thing. The UFO reveals that happened in right. 2020. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a cheat. It's kind of a throwback because the deal is that the Pentagon officially released video footage of UFOs that had been previously leaked and that we've talked about on this show. I wish I'd taken a note of the episode, but we have two episodes if you go back in time and you just like search for UFO as you're looking in your podcast player where we talk about this government information that came out. Um, yeah, with... I actually have them here. So Okay, great. Um, one of them, we did a, an episode 98. All right, here's the origin. Episode 85, Secret UFO Program. Perfect. And then 98, we did a further update of that. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and episode 10. 10, 85, 98. Okay, great. So check those out. So the thing that happened in this past year isn't exactly new, but it's an acknowledgement. So and I'll tell you what we're even talking about in a second. But what they did is that the Pentagon basically gave these videos that were released in 2017 their stamp of approval. Um, They said that they even did. They acknowledged like we know these have been out, but we are saying that, yes, these are official videos from the government to validate them and prove that they weren't digitally manipulated by anybody else in any way. Mm. Um, And the deal with these videos from 2017 is that they show um, footage from the vantage point of a pilot in the cockpit of an object moving in the sky for these Navy pilots that is moving in ways that the pilots can't explain. So you're seeing this thing that they describe as being kind of shaped like a tic-tac, like it's like an oval oblong white thing moving like crazy. And so here's a quote. As I got close to it, it rapidly accelerated to the south and disappeared in less than two seconds, said retired U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping pong ball bouncing off the wall. It would hit and go the other way. So these things were moving side to side in a way that airplanes, even like advanced military ones, can't do accelerating extremely quickly doing all this stuff that we don't have the technology to do yeah an airplane doesn't pivot around no if you want to turn you make a wide arc right and no they can just turn left to right (laughs) right like nobody's business it's so weird so i'd encourage you to seek out this footage because it's very very strange and so nobody has acknowledged that this is a uh a ufo is in an extraterrestrial they're not totally re- uh, ruling that out, though, which is crazy to me, even the government stuff, yeah. but that it's something that we can't explain. So is this technology from another country A lot of pe- that is supposed to be secret? A lot of people in the government have said they don't really don't think know. so. There, there's We just don't have the literal physical capability to build things that do this. So what is it, basically? So that was kind of a cool thing that happened in 2020 that's not exactly news, but it is solidifying that this was real footage and not some sort of like weird doctored sort of thing. Officially released. Yes. Yeah. And as I researched that, I found out something that is so hard to explain. I thought I'd mention it. And again, you can check out in the show notes. But this is very weird. And we'll see if this leads to anything bigger. This just happened in the last couple of days as a recording in real time. There was a COVID-19 relief bill that got signed by Trump. And this bill isn't only about COVID-19. It has all these other provisions. Everything always gets lumped in together. Right. One of the provisions is that the Security of Defense has to report... And anybody who works the Secretary security of defense. defense. No, no, no. Security of defense. I security guess security of defense. I guess. Okay. Yeah. It's what was in the article. So I guess it's it's a division of the government. Sure. Yeah. Wait, security of defense doesn't make any sense. I swear that's what it said though. Whatever. Anyway, government agents or anybody who is employed by a government government agency, even if you're like the equivalent of a private eye, but you have been employed by the government for something weird, that 
they are required to report any unidentified airborne phenomena to the cell, to the Senate Intelligence Committee within 180 days of the signing of this bill. So this bill was signed a couple of days ago, and that started the clock on anybody who is even tangentially involved in government stuff to have to, with some really specific guidelines that really nail drill down on it they have to disclose to the government if they have seen unidentified airborne phenomena so it was very wordy and confusing i I really couldn't understand it um i believe if i understood correctly that these things will still be classified so they will have to report to the government and we might not necessarily hear about it or something. Right. But still it's happening and they're obviously interested in this. Yeah. Very weird. How, how can you enforce that? You have 180 know, days right? as of this signing to report it. You could and just say, you I didn't see anything. We'll probably never know about right, it. Right. Because you didn't tell us. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah. I know. I really don't know. Um, Pretty but- much nothing we can do about that. I think that's probably why it's part of this like this little small provision that got snuck in there because like, like a weirdo it can't be senator a... who's like I'll only sign it if you put my UFO plan into effect. I don't know. I mean, it said that like it said something about Marco Rubio in a, in attachment to it. Mm. Um, I don't know. Well, we know that he's thirsty, oh, and if you've is... ever seen the faculty, for... that is true. What for could a that very mean? Yeah. Those, those aliens require uh-huh. mas agua. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Yeah. So we, I don't know if we're going to hear too much about it, but that is out there. Again, check the show notes or Google it yourself. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the way that I found that was that I went to Luis Elizondo's Twitter account, okay. who has been a big whistleblower about this UFO stuff. And he's part of a show called Unidentified on the History Channel. And I saw that he had an interview recently where he seemed to hint at discord between him and the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, which he's been linked with, which is headed up by Tom DeLonge of Blink-182. It seems like there might be a split coming. No. I hate to tell you. Oh, there was so such... that's not exactly 2020 news. It might be 2021. Right. We've covered Luis Elizondo before in talking about the secret In those UFO episodes program. we talked about, yep. And I thought that he was maybe not a founder of, but one of the- I think he might be. I think he, maybe he is. Maybe yeah, he is. I think he might be. So for a, a split, that's hard. It's, it's, it's almost going to hit as hard as when Blink-182 split right. with Tom DeLonge. Right, I know. But then at least we got angels and airwaves. Thank God. So maybe we'll get, I, I'm curious to see what Luis Elizondo's solo project is. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait. Okay. And so this brings me to our last thing. Maybe those people who have to report about airborne UFOs will have a lot to talk about because in 2020, apparently there was a boom in belief and experiences in the paranormal and aliens. So, uh, Reports of paranormal activity in general seem to be on the rise. Okay. And this started in 2020. Both the New York Times and the LA Times had separate reports that more and more people are even anecdotally talking about paranormal things that they're experiencing in their homes. Now, could this be because of the stay-at-home orders? We're all home a lot more. Ah, right. So you might be apt to notice more things in your home. That could be because you're seeing things you might not have noticed before that are actually paranormal, or it could be because you're home and you're bored and you're noticing things about your house, hearing sounds and stuff that you didn't pay as much attention to because you're out and about doing other things. So um, they talked to Jason Hawes from Ghost Nation, formerly of Ghost Hunters, um, who attributed it to probably normal stuff. He said that when they were doing this report, the weather was getting a little bit warmer and wood drying out in your house as a result of warmer weather can create these like popping sounds and cracks and things like that, that maybe people are sitting up a little straighter and being like, what was that? Yeah. And making them think about ghosts. But he said that it's undeniable that his website has definitely had a spike in activity in 2020 and outreach That's for people reporting that their house is haunted. Um, Now, the thing about a belief in aliens spiking, I found something that was specific to New York City that I wanted to talk about because it's very notable. According to the National UFO Reporting Center, UFO sightings in New York City were up 31% from 2019 to 2020, and they were up 283% from 2018. 
So people reporting to them that they're seeing things in the sky. And I pulled a couple of these, these incidents to read to you. Um, someone spotted and stared at an oval aircraft that, quote, looked and sounded like a helicopter, again with these ovals. Then the mysterious flying machine sent a surge of heat slash radiation through their body. Ooh. This person honestly thought that it was the government putting something into the air with everything going on during these times, because this is COVID stuff, and I thought I would wake up and find it all over the news or on Instagram. And they were surprised that nobody else reported anything going weird. Interesting. Then... Um, in June, there was somebody from Bronx, the Bronx, who said that they watched 30 objects, quote, flying in a perfect line in perfect in perfect synchronicity that, quote, looked like a bunch of moving stars. And they insisted, I don't drink or take any drugs whatsoever. I'm not a UFO conspiracy theorist. And yet say, they saw this thing and reached out to report it. So as we move into 2021, everybody, I bid to you, I beg of you, look to the skies. Yeah. See what you see. Let a friend know. If you hear a ghost, tell us about it. If you see a ghost, tell your mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You got so hollowed out at the end of that. I got lost. You had nothing else to say. Nope. Tell your mom. (laughs) Um, Boy, what else? Ran out of steam. What else? Um, and there were other things this year. There were murder hornets. There was Randonautica, which we covered in an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo, what a year. Yeah, hell of a year. Um, also, yeah, I mean, also the the like Bill Gates is going to track you stuff. What? Oh, 5G or something? No, the, the vaccine, right? Oh, yeah, the pandemic. Ali, Ali showed me a meme of somebody getting a vaccine, and then it cuts to Bill Gates looking wry. <laughs> and there's a phone that says, like, Edna is here. He's like, now I know. Um yeah, wild year. Yeah. What do you what do you make of this UFO stuff? Why so UFO heavy? And when you hear somebody saying that they saw 30 UFO things flying all in a line or whatever. What do I think happened? Do you think anything of it or do you and do you refl- cuz what I do, I reflexively go, "Huh." And then I like forget I even heard it. Me too cuz I I don't know what to think about it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't especially when it's something that's like in daytime or something like that. It's harder to be like, "Oh, it's probably a bunch of geese." So I don't know what to think about it. I, I guess I think I guess they saw that, and I don't think of it any further. If I really don't. Geese, if it turns out to be just geese flying south for the winter, there were like thirty of these things. They kept making this. Honk, they kept making this horrible sound. This, honk, and they were flying in a V shape. Right. Like. I honestly, with a lot of these things, I mean, there's a part of my brain that often does go to, okay, how, what could this be that's like mundane? But for some things, I just go, huh, I guess they huh. saw that, huh? <laughs> and I don't know what to think about it. With Mothman, a lot of times, I, I go, I don't know what to think about that. Yeah, it's it's hard. I, I'm, I don't I'm, know. I, I don't I'm know. It doesn't sound like it. a crane to me, really. It doesn't sound yeah. like an owl, but it's hard for me to believe it's actually a Mothman. Plus, so I just like, go... They, they saw that, I guess. I don't know. It's like also an unfortunate requirement for everybody who's seen a UFO to be like, listen, I saw something. I don't drink. I, I don't do drugs. I swear I'm not tripping I balls right now. I've never been like a nut. I know. Like, like you have to preface it with all those things that make you go, you're probably all three of those things. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and then you move on in your own head. Like you reflexively, the most credible person in the world could be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got like five Nobel Peace Prizes. Uh, yeah. I, I've invented math. And uh, oh, yeah, one time I saw an alien. Right. You'd be like, okay, so you're a fraud. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, I can't help it. We've talked about it a million times. Unless I see it with my own two eyes, I just, I, I guess I go, wow, that's wild. You Whoa. might, you might have seen that, but I don't know if you really did. Uh huh. Sure. That must have been scary. I just don't know. Oh, that sounds funny. So I, I just kind of take it for what it is. Yeah. They at least believe it, and I just don't know what to think. Yeah, thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Yeah. Uh. Well, that out with the old. That's yes. twenty twenty. Yes. That's the old stuff. We're gonna get rid of that now. Bye, bitch. Bye. And we're gonna take a look at some New Year's traditions. But mm-hmm. before we do that, yeah. Guide to the unknown, y'all. Mm-hmm. At GTTU Pod, GTTU Pod 
patreon.com find the links to go to patreon yes get all those exclusive shows that's right we do an exclusive bonus episode there every month there's a whole separate patreon only podcast called the netherworld dispatch that you can get in on if you decide to donate four dollars or more to us per month to thank us for putting out all these shows yeah even if you've been keeping up with guide to the unknown every week when we drop a new episode you're still missing one yeah there's another episode of guide to the unknown that goes out every week just on no every month yeah, every month. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I also do a private one that no one knows about at all. <laughs> Not even me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so go check that out. Uh, tpublic.com slash GTTU pod. Get slash a shirt. user slash GTTU pod. Whatever. You what? are. Kristen, I'm partying. It's You're New Year's. You're junking this up. <laughs> I'm screwing it up. All right. <laughs> Who cares? No, it's fine. All right. Um, yeah, and fine. we would love it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review things. It makes a really big difference because people see your review and they're like, oh, they like it. I might like it too. Yeah. That's exactly. nice. Very yeah. true. Yep. Um, all right. Let's talk about some uh, New Year's related let's stuff. Let's do it. This first one is not so much a superstition not at all it's more of maybe this is a cryptid mm-hmm. but i still thought it was worth uh calling out since we're doing new year's centric stuff baby new year ah yeah baby new year the figure yes of the dawn of a new trip around the sun is this a cryptid does it always look like a baby yes it does Ugh. here's the thing about baby new year it's either always a baby or the more popular thing is a new baby is born as the new year arrives, mm-hmm. and over the course of that year, oh. it ages through the entirety of its lifespan. Whoa. So, baby new year on January 1st is a newborn, and on December 31st is elderly and about to die. Is there any conspiracy theory about baby new year being Santa? Maybe every single year... There's a new Santa because it's actually Baby New Year. That's very it'd probably be at about that age where it has a long white beard. Yeah, you're, around you're totally December right. 25th, and there's still about a week or so before Santa is too old to do it in the first place. Right. So that's, maybe that's like a final altruistic act. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Spends the whole year making toys. Right. Um, no, so it starts not... off that you're playing with toys because it's a baby. Uh, yeah, very good. It gifts the last toy mm-hmm. to the new baby New Year. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Well, baby New Year and Father Time are certainly linked because you think mm-hmm. of Father Time as being sort of a, an ancient old man with a right. long white beard, right? Um, and so, baby New Year essentially becomes Father Time by the mm. end, perhaps, mm. and either dies or is still just sort of the the icon of that particular year. Yeah. So it's evidently a thing that um, some people say that baby new year is the bot, the physical embodiment of the events of that year. Oh boy. Right. So Sorry, like, baby new year. Yeah. D- hard news. Yeah. Baby new year. For so like in 2000, he was wearing, you know, a matrix trench coat <laughs> and those little Morpheus glasses. Right. Um, and like all about friends, like yeah. loved friends, like quoted Chandler <laughs> all the time. Yep. So what is the 2020 baby new year? How's he looking now to, to wear 2020 on his skin? I mean, comfortable clothes in the oh, most optimistic. That is pretty optimistic. Light, so, uh, pajama most, jam. Yes. That's the most optimistic version of the 2020 baby new year. I think. Headphones with the little microphone yep. for a zoom chat. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Definitely a face mask. Yes. Of definitely. course. 2020 will forever be known as the year of the face mask. Yep. Um, yeah. T- I got a, got a tattoo of a murder hornet. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. Um, <laughs> what was, what was like popular media this year? Uh, it's got a backpack. That's uh baby Yoda. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I can't think. I know there've been things where, where people are like blank was out earlier this year, but yeah. I can't think of anything. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the baby new year loved trolls Two world tour. <laughs> Why are we always talking about trolls Two? What? <laughs> Didn't I reference trolls Two like not that long ago? So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, it was one of the last movies that, like came out when in theaters quarantine was happening right whatever anyway so that's baby new year now let's talk about actual honest to gosh yes traditions and stuff um and maybe we'll get this one out of the way too because i I touched on this at the beginning of the episode eating stuff Mm -hmm. particular foods are a big deal around new years yeah and most of them function around the notion of um securing your prosperity Mm -hmm. literally 
you're going to make some money, money, money. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So um, CNN had this to say about the herring thing, which I called out earlier. Um, Because herring is in abundance in Poland and parts of Scandinavia, and because of their silver coloring, many in these nations eat pickled herring at the stroke of midnight to bring a year of prosperity and bounty. Some eat pickled herring in cream sauce, while others have it with onions. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those people is me. I mean, our mom has made us eat it in cream sauce before. I think I could accept it a little bit better pickled. I don't think I could accept it full stop. I, I don't want to accept, accept. I'm just saying if, if I right. wish mom had been foisting pickled on us We're instead. We're not Polish or Scandinavian. No. So it's not our tradition. No. <laughs> it was strange to us. Yes. But do what you got to do. Totally. And some people like it. Right. One special Polish New Year's Eve preparation of pickled herring called Sledzi Marinowain is made by soaking whole salt herrings in water for 24 hours, then layering them in a jar with onions, allspice, sugar, white vinegar. Okay. Um, Sometimes they'll eat them in a midnight smorgasbord with smoked and pickled fish, pate, and meatballs. You know, in that context, I bet I could maybe get into it. It sounds like it's more part of a vibe. Yeah, exactly. It's part of a vibe and not just your mom making you stand at the counter, like with an open just jar of pickled or no cream herring. Right. With a a spoon in a jar saying you have to. Yeah. Or else we're going to have a horrible year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also popular, uh, there's just different food Mm -hmm. stuff now. Black-eyed peas. Yep, yep. We've also had that. Major tradition. But the reason, Kristen? Because they look like pennies. Yeah. Yeah, it is all money stuff. No, they don't. No, they don't at all. I don't know why. They they're look like... Peas. Peas. Yeah, they're, they're not beans. even... I feel like black-eyed peas, yeah, they're more a bean. Right. They're not even really round. Right. People also eat cornbread because it's gold. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Greens because they're green like cash. Here's a different sort of motive, though. Pomegranate. Hmm. Do you know why? No. Because of your heart. It's oh, health. Oh, okay. Pomegranate yeah. is health. Yeah. That, like, that's a sort of a, I, I can kind of get around that. Mm-hmm. My head wraps around that a little more. Literally being like, This is healthy for you? I gotta eat why? this. Yeah. I gotta eat this so I'll make some money. <laughs> I think that, like, I think you want to tie enjoyment to these rituals or else it almost backfires. Don't like, you if you're wanna... eating, like, cream herring and being like ugh, i feel like that messes up the vibe of what is essentially a spell yes i completely agree you know yeah um uh talking about spells let's go to this one somebody called this out when we were doing our patreon planning session rabbit rabbit Mm -hmm. had you ever heard of this i've heard of it yeah i don't know i just know that it's something that people say on the first of the month yeah first of the month so not necessarily about the new year but january 1st is the first of the month maybe Mm -hmm. if you do this on january 1st its power is extended throughout the year maybe it's more important maybe to do it packs more of a punch rabbit rabbit is what you are supposed to say the first words out of your mouth when you wake up during the first of the month Mm -hmm. if you do so here are some of the things that might happen you will have a fortuitous prosperous month Ah. until you do it again at the start of the next month if you do it you might receive a gift by the end of that day There are a few different variations of this incantation. Um, The most popular is rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Say it three times, not two. Um, Or you might say rabbit, rabbit, white rabbit. Okay. If you forget to say it, don't worry. All is not lost. You must just simply say black rabbit right before you go to sleep that night. Fun. Alternatively... Before you go to sleep, you might say Tibar Tibar. Okay, gotcha. Rabbit backwards. Yep. So you're setting it right. I yes. Guess. The earliest known recording of why people do this in the first place is 1909. That doesn't mean that that's when it started. That just means it's the first time that it was written down. It was put down in a uh, a weekly journal that was called the Notes and Queries, which was sort of an ongoing lexicon of history and phrases and so that was the first time it was put down and it was somebody saying my kids have been saying this Hmm. so it was very sort of like colloquial it was not very formal um some stories uh say that you have to say rabbit before you go to bed the night before so at the end of the month and then in the morning on the first day of the month you finish it rabbit oh okay now you've sealed it um but here are here's a, a another person saying, here's the real deal. Yeah. It must be white rabbit. 
but you must also say brown rabbit at night and walk downstairs backwards. Oh, wow. They're adding a lot of steps. That was reported in a small survey that took place in Exeter, Devon in 1972. So um, Gilda Radner... Mm-hmm. Evidently did this. She, she, Gilda Radner of Saturday Night Live, was big on saying rabbit, rabbit, rabbit on the first of the month. Yeah. Um, she said that she did it to ensure laughter, love, and peace. I love that. Franklin Delano Roosevelt did it, one of our presidents, and even carried around a lucky rabbit's foot during the 1932 election. So cool. a lot of superstition there. Um, but with all of these different incarnations, here's my question. Which one's right? Because presumably, this is like saying a spell, Uh you gotta do it right. But I think that what's right is what's right for you. But what's right... It's whatever's gonna make you feel best. Which is a way of saying... You need to be feeling your best when you're doing a spell. Which is a way of saying this this isn't anything, right? I don't necessarily agree. Really? You can do whatever you want and it still counts? Yep. So like at Hogwarts, when Snape was like judging their potions... Mm They didn't necessarily need to do everything by I the I think book. for that they probably did, but William, we're not at Hogwarts. This is the real world where your spells <laughs> are obviously individual to you as a person. I just think it's interesting because I was I was jotting down I you know I love rules. Yeah. And I love seeing how things function. Even in, in doing this, I start putting together the scientific method for testing this and yeah. how long it would take. It would take months to figure this out because you can only do it for one day. On the first of every month, you would you'd wake up and go. Uh, I, I I better not say hi mm-hmm. to anybody. Yeah. I have to say rabbit, rabbit first. Instantly. And then judge what happens that month. Right. And then be like, no, bad things happen. Okay. All right. Back it's to the drawing board. Now. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. All right. Let's spend a month figuring out how well that works. I think it's that you want it to be something. And you are putting that out into the ether. Okay. And it is responding in kind. Would you do this? Yeah. Absolutely. Now I'm interested. Why don't you do this? I just didn't really know that much about it. I had heard that people say rabbit, rabbit on the first of the month, but I didn't really know anything about it. Do you think you will do this? Yeah, sure. If you wake up on the first and mm-hmm. you say hello to Ryan mm-hmm. or pet one of the dogs on the head and say good morning and then realize you screwed up, mm-hmm. are you going to be kicking yourself all day? Or are you just going to say Tibar, Tibar? I could do Tibar, Tibar, but also I don't think it makes anything. You just don't get all the benefits of rabbit, rabbit. It's not like I've damned myself to a month of horrors. True. Fair enough. Yeah. How many superstitions can you accumulate? Right? Like, it's sort of arbitrary that you have any interest in this. Why? What do you mean? I'm just saying, the fact that you're like, yeah, I kind of like it and maybe I'll do it indicates yeah. to me that I could just bring up any superstition and maybe you'll do it. Yeah, maybe. So what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just just checking. All right. Sorry. <laughs> well, but no, so what? That's fine. It's just a, it's a lot to do. It's a lot to keep track of. Just say rabbit, rabbit. Well, this one. but Yeah. Doesn't mean like every single one I'm going to respond to. Okay. It sounds nice. Right. We should play a game where um, I read you some superstitions mm-hmm. and then you either try them or test them out or maybe I make some up and you have to figure out which one I made up. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I feel like that'd be very hard because a lot of superstitions are just like... They're so totally weird. Ludicrous anyway. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, here are some other. That's not even a superstition, rabbit, rabbit, really. It's kind of like a good luck charm, like a spoken good luck charm. I would argue that that still is a superstition. I guess it is. I guess I think of a superstition as having a negative consequence. Oh, you must do this or else. Or, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then you're going to be let down by the rest of these. Okay. Because all of these are just more, they're rituals. They're yeah. New Year's rituals. They're mm-hmm. things that you do. That's great. Um, so here's one that I think that we're all pretty familiar with. I guess that with. is a superstition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But I think you're right. Superstition does have a, I agree with you. I think mm-hmm. that overall the connotation is like, you must yeah. do X or you're doomed. Right. 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 But none of the New Year's things are, are quite like that. Great. Yeah. Um, so here's here's one that um, you probably see every year. It didn't even occur to me as a superstition until I saw it in my research. And I was like, yeah, why do we? Hmm. What is that? Dropping the ball. Oh, yeah. The New Year's ball, right? Yeah. You're counting down the last 10 seconds of the year. And then that ball in Times Square is going to drop. And that is what brings in the New Year? Yeah. What huh. is that? Well, do you know? But no, I have no idea. I, I I never even thought to question it. No, me neither. It's just what we do. Here's what the deal is. In 1905, the New York Times set up their headquarters in Times Square. And for a couple of years, every New Year's, they would, you know, pump up the jams, yeah. blast off some fireworks and party. 
However, then the city was like, you can't keep lighting <laughs> fires and shooting rockets above this, you know, highly populated area. Yeah, it seems fair. No more fireworks. No so more they compromised with a ball? They had to figure out something else to do. So the then owner of the New York Times, Adolf Ox. Wow. Turned to a tradition that he had uh, seen elsewhere. So um, evidently, at the top of the Western Union Telegraph Building, they had a ball. Mm -hmm. And they would drop it every day at noon to signify it's midday. Okay. This, in turn, evidently comes from a practice uh, from the 1900 uh, no, the 1800s of mariners using time balls. They're called time balls. Mm -hmm. Dropping them so that people can synchronize their chronometers, Ooh, which is a fancy cool. word for like watch, yeah. timepiece. So what you do is you put this big heavy ball at the top of a thing. And then let's say that it's noon, mm -hmm. right? You, you pull the pin, whatever. You loosen the pulley yeah. and the ball starts to drop. The second it starts to drop, that's noon. Ah. It doesn't start when the ball gets to the bottom. It starts as the ball is dropping. Mm -hmm. And so that's how people used to keep time, make sure yeah. that their time was synchronized. Everybody set your watch to noon when you see the ball move. Cool. So now that the New York Times in Times Square doesn't have the ability to use fireworks, they're going to find another timekeeping type thing to rally around. So Adolf Ox um, had a 700-pound ball of steel and wool. Oh. Made by a metal worker named Jacob Starr. And people went nuts for it. Hmm. They loved it. This is from the New York Times the following day, January 1st, 1908. The great shout that went up drowned out the whistles for a minute. The vocal power of the welcomers rose above even the horns and the cowbells and the rattles. Above all else came the wild human hullabaloo of noise. Since the first ball dropped, the idea of dropping objects to count down the New Year's has become synonymous with the holiday. Maine drops a maple leaf, Georgia drops a peach, <laughs> and Idaho drops a giant potato. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's where the, the ball cool. drop came from in the first place. Who knew? Had no idea. Had no yeah. idea that this was an actual method of like- Keeping time. Keeping time. Neither did I. Now, that's cool. Now, we've inverted it because now we right. count down until the ball- Oh, no. No, I think do you, do you count. You don't count down as the ball drops. You count down and then the ball drops. Does the ball drop fast? I think you count down as the ball drops. What do I? How, how come I've looked at this thing just about every year and I can't I know about how it moves? I think you count down as the ball drops, and then when it hits the bottom, it's midnight. Right. Okay. I, I kind of think that you're right about that. Yeah. And that's the opposite of what it's supposed yes, to be. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's supposed to be that gravity is signifying yeah. this is the zero hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's another one that you might do New Year's Eve, the New Year's Eve kiss. Mm. Now, I should also point out, people who are watching us live, you all have a chance to understand these rituals before New Year's Eve hits. Right. People who are listening to this on podcast apps and stuff, you're already too late. Yes. I'm so sorry. So sorry, but get ready Maybe for- Maybe we can illuminate yes. things for you that you did last night. Exactly. And welcome to 2021. Yes. Hi. Mm -hmm. um, so the New Year's Eve kiss- this is according to entertaining from ancient Rome to the Super Bowl, an encyclopedia. Okay. Um, they say that uh, English and German folklore spread the belief that the person you first contact in a new year will have direct influence on your destiny that year. Wow. Or on your year's destiny. It makes sense that anyone superstitious enough to believe this would make physical contact with someone familiar and likable. Hmm. Kissing a loved one or a romantic partner is the perfect way to keep superstition and old folklore on your side. Hmm. Make sure that when that ball drops, the first person that you've made contact with yeah. is somebody that can guide your life in a positive direction. That the you way like, you want. Which makes sense. Yes. But there are still other reasons for the, the kiss at, the, at midnight. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a Scottish... Slash Viking celebration in days of yore called Hogmanay. Mm. Hogmanay. It was celebrated on the last day of the year. Part of the party is welcoming friends and strangers, and you kiss everybody. Okay. In the year 2020 or 2021. No way. That. No, no, no. Don't do that. Mm -mm, not safe. Not safe. <laughs> keep your lips off. <laughs> As a matter of fact, whenever somebody enters your home, say, keep your lips off, man. Keep your lips off. Not safe. Yeah, not safe. Not safe. <laughs> Mutter under your breath. Not safe. Not, not safe. safe. Keep your lips off. No, no <laughs> lips. No lips. 
Um, and the third reason why we might have this tradition still now, in ancient Rome, they celebrated on the winter solstice an event known as Saturnalia. Ooh. I've heard of that before. Saturnalia. Yeah. Named after the planet Saturn. Yeah. Um, and it got rowdy. Nice. So kissing. Yeah. <laughs> Bare minimum. Bare minimum. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's the low cost of entry. Yeah. Here's the joke that I wrote in my personal notes. Forget Disney Plus. How about Kissing Plus? <laughs> Didn't remember writing that. It's a great joke. I like it when that happens. Stupid. You find something dumb in your notes. Stupid. Um, I've got two more things. One sort of mini, and then we'll get to the the weird one. Mm-hmm. Um, or weird to me. I just never heard it before. Yeah. So evidently it's a thing to cause a ruckus. Ooh. I saw this most commonly... I... Um, referencing the fact that this is done in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You think about, you know, New Year's Eve and you've got, you know, noisemakers yeah. and all that kind of stuff and you're shouting and you're partying and you crank up the music and stuff. Well, in the Philippines, they're also smashing pots and pans together because they're making all that noise to scare away evil spirits. Oh, nice. Which I love. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it, there's not a lot more to it than that yeah. that I was able to find. There's yeah. not a lot of specificity about the evil spirits themselves or do you need to get rid of them before the new year starts for a particular purpose? I, I think yeah, there's you always- You just want a fresh start. It's a new year. Totally. You, yeah. There's no, there's no bad reason to get rid of evil spirits. Right. If they're evil, get them away from you. Yeah. But yeah, you're causing all that noise to scare away awesome. evildoers, which is wonderful. Yeah. And here is my final- My final- New Year's superstition or ritual, whatever you want to call it. Twelve grapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of this. You've heard about this? Yes. I had not heard of this. Yeah. So uh, this is attributed to Spain. Uh, you eat a grape as the clock is striking midnight. Okay. Right? So you've got the 12 chimes of the clock. Okay. For each one of those, you're popping a grape in. <laughs> okay. I guess I've just heard of eating 12 grapes for the New Year as a thing. I didn't know that you're... Yeah, you're doing it as the bell tolls. Um, You're doing this because 12 grapes, 12 months of good fortune. Right. All right. Uh, The grapes date back to at least 1895, but became established in 1909. Um, Here's why. And I really respect the, the cynical nature of the origin of this ritual. In December of 1909, some vine growers popularized the custom to better sell the huge numbers of grapes that they had really gotten funny. from an excellent harvest. <laughs> That's really funny. We got all these grapes. How are we going to move them? Well, the New Year's coming up. Why don't we make up some sort of ritual with them? What if we just convince people that they've got to <laughs> snap into a grape every second to midnight? That's really You're a funny. genius. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got a raise. He sure did. <laughs> and not a raise in. Twenty twenty one, baby. Better a raise than a raise in. All yeah. right, have a good one. All right, have a good New Year's, pal. It's like a weird boss patting yeah. on the back. Uh. <laughs> I got you a raise, so you don't let me finish. I got you a raise in. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Woo. Split it with the misses. Uh, <laughs> see you next year, sucker. Um, according to the tradition. Yeah, whatever. In, in some <laughs> areas, uh, you eat grapes. Uh, I already said that. In some areas, it was also believed to ward away witches mm. and general evil. Okay, but it, it's Why? because that vineyard wanted to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you just yeah. say whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like that's good. Yeah, it's also uh, wards away great uh, witches. It's good luck. <laughs> uh, why do you do? Why are you doing that? Why are you shoving all those grapes in your mouth, Will? Good luck. You're gonna thank me. Yeah, you're gonna thank me. It's uh, you're gonna be jealous when uh, you see how my year turns out. Uh, I got rid of a witch. <laughs> <laughs> well, why are you eating all that pizza alone in the corner? Uh, it's around food. Uh, uh, getting rid of spirits. Yeah, <laughs> just scrounging around for any excuse. <laughs> why it am works. I eating all this pizza? You ask. Well, huh. Huh, why am I eating all the pizza? <laughs> Stalling by just repeating the question a million times. What did you ask me? Why am I eating all the pizza? Uh, <laughs> I, saw a, I saw a ghost. I saw a demon. <laughs> I saw a demon over there. He's gone now. Yeah. But it's because I, I ate all this pizza, pizza. That he's gone. Right. So that's pretty much it. It worked. Go. Gotta leave. Uh, speaking of gotta go. Yes. There you go. 
Thank you. Those are all the New Year's rituals, traditions that I, I found. There are about a million more. Mm-hmm, of course. There are a lot of uh, like very obscure ones. But these are some of the the bigger ones or the the more notable or the the, the more interesting ones. Yes. Yeah. I think that they all sort of culminate into that party atmosphere of New Year's, though. Yeah. Like, even the the eating grapes thing. Like, mm-hmm. that that's part of, like, having a party and, like... Totally. Like, having the food around, all the I food also, that you've got to I can also eat. imagine people, like, standing around. And it's, like, funny. Like, you're they're, they hear, like, the chime and they're, like, yeah. pop, pop, yep. all together popping grapes in, grapes in their mouth. Absolutely. And it's then like you goofy. kiss with two mouthfuls of grapes. Ugh. I don't love that. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> everybody well happy new year happy new year welcome to 2021 Mm -hmm. uh and thank you so much uh for coming here with guide to the unknown yeah absolutely go to gttupod.com to check out all the things we talked about before like patreon.com slash gttupod it gets linked from there yeah absolutely a lot Mm -hmm. of fun stuff over there yep hope you all have a great new year's uh hope the year starts off right rabbit rabbit to you all yes rabbit rabbit yeah do you think it counts if we have recorded ourselves saying rabbit rabbit and then somebody plays the podcast you know on january 1st Uh uh-huh no okay (laughs) okay no i don't think so but maybe it does maybe yeah exactly if i think it actually no yeah if you think it does then yes but for me probably not yeah so i think i didn't put out those vibes because i'm saying no yeah i didn't put out the vibes either but i'm saying yes I'm not sure it works that way, but okay. (laughs) All right, right, everybody. (laughs) We will see you next time for more fun, spooky stuff. Mm -hmm. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go with Flying into 2021. Yeah. Through that netherworld. Into the future. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This show is from 2017. What? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've made it. This is it. we're going into our fourth year. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Fun. Look at the us. Future. It's the future. All right. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.